Welcome to this new episode of Le Podcast. Le Podcast equips you to make positive change in your organization. I'm Alex Simonville. Thank you for listening. Today, I'm with Bart Denhack, and I will probably I need to ask him to say his name again so you have a, the good version of it. And we are together to discuss OKRs. And uh, OKR stands for Objectives, the O, and Key Results. And Bart will tell us a, a lot more about that. Uh, but first, Bart, can you introduce yourself, please? Yes. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, so my, my name is Bart Den Haag. It's a typical Dutch name. Yeah, so I'm from the Netherlands, a city close to Amsterdam. I'm using OKRs for the past 10 years now. Um, I started as a um, software engineer. Uh, software architect even, and later I grew up to um, a manager. But 10 years ago, I was introduced by a, a startup here in Amsterdam, fintech startup here in Amsterdam. They introduced OKRs for the very first time. So that was my first encounter with OKRs. Ever since I've used OKRs and for the past two years, I uh, do full-time OKR consulting and uh, coaching, helping several companies around the world with, uh, with their OKR implementation. Wow, this is impressive. Uh, tell me more. Can you tell us what are OKRs? Yes, of course. So OKRs is very easy. It starts with what you already said. It's an objective. An objective is a memorable, memorable, short, qualitative, inspirational description of what you want to achieve. It's just what you want to achieve. It's the direction that answers the question to where do we want to go. And then you have a couple of key results. And the key results are the measures that say whatever you achieve them. So the key results are a set of metrics that shows you progress towards the objective and that describe how you're going to achieve that objective, not by saying what you need to do, but by describing an uh, aspirational uh, outcome. And, and that's in a nutshell, that it, that's it. It's that easy. Excellent. Yeah, that sounds really easy. I think for people who knows what it is and already use that, do you think uh, you could provide an example so we can touch a little bit what is an objective and what is a key result that would be associated with that? Yes, of course. Let's take a personal example. Let's say that in a couple of months, you're going to get married, right? So congratulations, you're going to get married. But before you're going to get married, you want to get into your wedding suit, right? Or you want to get in your dress. So that can become a, an objective for the, coming, for the coming months. Like I want to fit in my wedding suit. So that's clearly what you want to achieve the coming, the coming months. And again, the time period can change with OKRs, but for this example, let's take a couple of months then you should wonder how are you going to measure that? How are you going to measure progress towards this objective? So one key result could be, of course, like I want to um, decrease my body weight. So for example, I now weigh 95 kilos and I want to reduce that to 85 kilograms. So one of the key results could be, I want to go from 95 to 85 uh, kilograms uh, by, the, by the end of, um, by the end of uh, the three months. Or maybe another measure could be like your waist size. So my waist size is now, let's say 65 centimeters. I want to reduce that to 
let's be very ambitious here because key results are aspirational. I want to reduce that to 65 uh, centimeters. With, that, with this information, with these key results, I, gets, I could say at the end of a couple of months, if I've achieved my objective. But the beauty of those key results is also that you can check in on them on a regular basis. And so, of course, if you look at your key results at the end of the month, then you, then you could basically a binary indicator. Yes, you have achieved the objective or not. But of course, um, within OKRs, you want to regular check in on them. So maybe every week or maybe every two weeks, you want to check in on your key results and see if you're getting any closer. And based on this information, you can take the appropriate steps to um, see if you're getting closer to them. Excellent. So I, I captured a few things uh, along the way about on what you say, and I, will, I, will, I would like to check. So you said it's a, a way to measure that we are going in the right direction. It's not, it's not what we will do. It's not the activity itself. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And uh, I like the idea of a regular check-in that will tell us that we are going in the right direction or not, so we can adjust. That's good. You mentioned two times that they, the key results are aspirational. Um, can you tell us more about that? Yes, of course. Yeah. So OKRs were invented in a very aspirational environment. Eh? So they were invented in, at Intel, uh, very aspirational environment, um, a lot of competition. The idea of OKRs is that you stretch yourself a little bit, stretch the organization, stretch your team. And if you use them on a personal basis, like the personal example that I just mentioned, you want to, what it's called, get out of the comfort zone. And so maybe everybody's familiar with their comfort zone. You go to work, you do your thing, and you're really comfortable. You're really good at it, but you're still in your comfort zone. OKRs, however, should try to push yourself out outside of this comfort zone. They should push yourself into what I call the learning zone. With an OKR, it should be aspirational enough that it pushes you outside of this comfort zone, that you need to take like different that you need to work differently um, and that you need to think out of the box and come up with solutions that you never tried before but be careful because there's also a danger zone where people are getting stressed out they get demotivated yeah? so there's a there's a sweet spot between the danger zone and the comfort zone and that's called the learning zone and uh, ideally with okrs everybody should go into this in, into this learning zone okay so you want to stretch yourself but not too much so you, you, are, you are really learning. Who can really use OKRs? Everybody can use OKRs. That being said, of course, you can use them in your personal life. Eh? So that's the easiest way to start with them. That's just like the, uh, the wedding example that I just provided. Everybody can use OKRs in their personal life. So OKRs is a technique for goal setting. I guess everybody has goals. If not, maybe you have like New Year's resolutions and you can maybe turn them into... Uh, into goals and you can use the OKR format. That's so the objective and then the key results for that. So every, in every environment where you see goals, you can apply OKRs. So that's the, that's the easy way to start. Just start with personal OKRs. Even if your organization is not using OKRs yet, you can already start using them on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And then of course, if you want to use it in your organization, then ideally, of course, you will start at the executive level right? because you need to have buy-in from the whole organization. 
um, there are a lot of organizations they're also starting like a pilot pro program and so they have like a department where they're going to start out with okrs see if it works for them and if it does work for them then it will be uh, adopted by the whole organization so we can start with the executive level with the approval and that's we are running our okrs in the whole organization or we can start in a team that will be a pilot and that will maybe encourage the larger organization to start using them exactly exactly yeah no so so the the idea is that of course if you have a pilot team that everybody will look at at this team how they're using okrs and if it's successful then that can be like a um, big motivation for other teams to use it as well so i think uh, but but again even if you're starting a pilot group on the executive level they need to understand that some teams or some departments are working on it. So they need to have like full executive support. Okay. Yeah. And then the reason for this is that OKRs tie into strategy. That's the reason why you want to involve executives because you need to link them to strategy. Okay. That needs to be tied to strategy. This is aspirational and we want to stretch ourselves to get in the learning zone and not stay in the comfort zone. So that means we will change things. If I stretch myself and I have a, I have a key results and uh, I don't reach my goal, what will happen? That, that will, that's almost expected from, key, from OKRs. Because you're going to stretch yourself, that means you're probably not going to make your key results. And that is fine. And then a lot of organizations should accept that OKRs, if you stretch yourself, then 100% achievement is not possible. And of course, there are some organizations that they use a mixed form sometimes called like committed OKRs and um, aspirational OKRs, where in the example of committed OKRs, you, you are expected to reach 100% um, of them at the end of a cycle. But to come back to uh, aspirational OKRs, if you did not achieve them and you achieved them around like 70, 80%, that's kind of expected from you. Uh, because if you achieve them 100%, that means that you didn't stretch yourself too much. The other side, like if you achieved only like 50% of them, maybe they were too hard for you. Right? So maybe the next time you shouldn't be that hard on yourself. And of course, then you get the question like, doesn't become this 70% or 80%, doesn't, doesn't that become like the new norm? Doesn't become that like the 100%? And I think this is the role of managers where managers should challenge teams, should challenge individuals to really stress themselves and not to do sandbagging or cheat the system. It's, it's uh, OKRs is a system of trust. It's a team sport. It's a system of trust. If you can't trust your teams, then probably you won't uh, have a successful OKR implementation. Okay. So yeah, the, the behavior that you will have when you implement OKRs will be important because you don't want to send the wrong incentive. Because if you send the wrong incentive, then you will have sandbagging as a result. So you will never have real stretch goals. Okay, I get, I get that the, the difference. This is really interesting. Have you have you worked on other goals approaches, and what are the the main differences that you see in in, in that case? Yeah, so, so there are many there are many goal systems out there. Yeah. Sometimes people uh, look at uh, the balance scorecard, for example, for for goals or for inspiration on on uh, objectives. Then you've got forgot from the lean movement. You've got Haoshin, um, Haoshin Kari. I think those two are the most popular ones out there. And the main difference between them, and you've got management by objectives, of course, that's the precessor of uh, of OKRs. 
And I think the main difference between all those methods, 4DX is another one, um, the main difference between all of them is, I think, cadence, cadence and rhythm, because OKRs are shorter, have a shorter life cycle. What I mean is that in, on a typical balanced scorecard, you set like annual goals or even more, maybe longer. And of course, you can, all, you can also do this on a shorter cycle, but then the overhead is basically too much and people were, uh, will abandon them. The nice thing about OKRs is that it's, uh, the concepts are so simple that you can also have like a shorter cadence, a shorter rhythm of them. So I've seen teams that are using like a typical quarterly cycle. Yeah, so every quarter they're setting new OKRs. I've even know teams that uh, use them on a monthly basis. It really depends on the organization, so um, the rhythm. But the rhythm is a big difference between the other goal-setting approaches. The other concept, of course, is the stretching. Yeah, so... Um, the stretching and the grading that you're going to do with OKRs, giving scores to OKRs. That's another difference between the other um, be between the other methods. And what I really like about OKRs is um, is the check-ins, the regular check-ins that you're doing on a weekly basis, ideally, regularly check in on them and to to see if you um, uh, see any difference from the week before, and then you can change your mind and pivot. But I think the most important thing is that are re that are result oriented. So they're all about results and not about actions. And I think that's also a big difference between the other ones. The, uh, the other goal setting systems are more about uh, checking the activities, checking our plan and how we are doing uh, compared to our plan. And this is more checking if we are getting the results that we want to have. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You, you spoke about grading. Tell, tell us more about that. In the OKR world, there are basically two camps. There's one camp that says like at the end of the cycle, uh, so an OKR cycle is typically like three months, one quarter. At the end of the cycle, you're going to give a grade to your OKRs, uh, especially to your key results. Uh, so you're going to give a, um, a number uh, on a scale between one and 10. You're going to give a number what the team thinks about their, uh, their OKR. So like one, uh, like a 10 means like 100%. We did like 100% completion of our key result. And of course, one means like we, we didn't achieve anything on this goal and everything in between. The idea is that if you give this grading, you're going to do analysis on that. Like what if we give a uh, five to our key result? What does that mean? And then you can use like analysis or root cause analysis about why that is. And then you take those learnings um, into the next cycle. Yeah, so it's a nice learning opportunity that you have. The other camp is that you use a confidence score for your key results. And a confidence score is typically given on a weekly basis. So during your uh, OKR check-ins, you're going to give a confidence score. And a confidence score is that how comfortable does a team feel about reaching the goal at the end of the cycle? So the thing is that if you do that on a regular basis, if you're going to give a confidence score every week, do you really need to have a grading at the end of the cycle? I don't think it's necessary. If you're going to do a weekly check-in, then I don't think at the end of the cycle you need to do the grading. And the other benefit of having um, those weekly conversations about confidence in your key results is that you get a lot of uh, fast feedback compared to only grading at the end of the cycle because then at the end of the cycle you miss the opportunity to learn and I think it's better to do check-ins and then provide a confidence score rather than only doing a grading at the end of, end of the cycle. Okay. I also know some teams that combine the two 
Uh, so there, there can be a value in giving a grade at the end of the cycle and also doing confidence scores every week. Yeah, so I, if I take the example of my measuring my, my weight week after week, uh, I'm doing my weekly checking and uh, now I'm at uh, uh, 90 kilograms and uh, I'm, I'm looking at the end of the cycle and I'm looking at my goals of uh, 85, let's say, and I'm saying, oh, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm really 100% confident that I will reach my goal. And uh, the week later, I'm still at 95 and still, I'm still a bit far away from my goal. And maybe my confidence will go lower. And maybe that gives me a signal that I need to adjust something. Exactly. And, and that signal is really important because if you get a signal like, oh, my confidence is dropping, then you need to take action. And so on a team, on an in organization, that means that you're probably going to uh, try out to run um, some experiments to see if you're getting any closer to your uh, to your key results. Uh, to to get the needle moving a little bit faster. But on a personal level, it means like you need to you need to come up with a new action plan because the current plan isn't working. Excellent. So yeah, that that shows the importance of the the regular checking. So there's there's a, a few aspects that are really important. The uh, Aspirational speeds that the, the stretching piece is really important uh, because it will push us to go in the learning zone and the regular checking, it's really for us an opportunity to adjust and to say, okay, what, what have we learned from what we are doing right now? Is it going in the right direction or is it not? And we have an opportunity to adjust. Exactly, exactly. And it's also an opportunity to see from our previous actions if they have any impact. So it's also um, a confirmation if our past activities or our past experiments do work. We discussed that it could work for individuals and it could work for teams. So if I am an individual, I can start today uh, to try to set my OKRs, but uh, how, how can I start? Yeah, so the best, the best thing to start is to question like, what do you really want to achieve? What is really important to you? On an individual level, that can be all, all so, sorts of things like I want to be, become a better basketball player or um, I want to be, become a better surfer or I want to run a marathon. Those are all nice goals that you can look for. Once you understand like those goals, then you should, should uh, think about are those goals activities or they're actually results so uh, take the example of the marathon like i want to run a marathon can be a nice challenging goal but it's also an activity uh, so once you've run the marathon then you're done so maybe there's something more behind this marathon so using a technique what is called like five times why is really helpful uh, so in, a, in the case of this marathon why do you want to run this marathon and then the answer to that might be something like oh i want to be in uh, in good shape uh, so being in good shape might be then a better goal for you to achieve. And then you could measure that by, you know, the time you run on a marathon, etc. Looking at your goals and question why you want to achieve them, that's the most important thing. Once you have selected a goal, you did this uh, why or maybe even because analysis. Yeah, so you can also question, I want to run a marathon because. And then that's, that's also, that also gives you some clues and hints. Um, once you have decided on an OKR or, or an, on an objective, then it's time to start measuring how you're getting closer to your uh, objective. And it also depends, of course, on the on the lifespan of your goal. So some goals, they tend to last for maybe a year. Some other goals, maybe 
uh, are on the shorter uh, period. I think shorter is a little bit better uh, because uh, it gives you a shorter planning horizon. And I think everything in the future is, is a real uncertain. So the more you can plan, like, I don't know, maybe three months, three or four months ahead, gives you uh, more certainty. Uh, everything that you plan after three or four months is uh, providing you a lot of uncertainty. So, so yeah, I can I can see how it's I differ totally from uh, I, I'm having the New Year's uh, resolution uh, that I will forget by the end of the month because I will plan for a shorter time period and I will have those weekly regular check-in to see how I'm uh, how I'm doing. So that's changed really the game. Yeah. So and and I think that's that's key when you compare it to other goal setting methods. It's like normally you set and forget them. And so the the thing that you mentioned, the New, New Year's resolutions, is a perfect example, because you say like I want to go more to the gym, and the first couple of months you're going to do it, but then spring kicks in. It's nice weather. You go. You want to go outside with friends. You want to have some beer, and you're not going to the gym anymore. And so real difference with OKRs is that you're regularly going to check in on them. And I see so many teams, so many organizations not doing this. So I think uh, this is one of the key elements of a successful OKR implementation is having those weekly check-ins. And in practice, this is really difficult to do. Yeah. Okay. As an individual, I can start picking a goal and really asking asking oneself, okay, why I want to do that or... Putting that the other way, I won't run a marathon because, and you fill the blank, because it will tell you a little bit more about the, the motivations behind that, that, that thing that you want to achieve. I get that. The, the finding the measurement is probably a little bit trickier for teams. So you mentioned software uh, before. For, for a team that is doing software development, what kind of key results they can, they can look at? Yeah, so I'm going to give a very consultant answer here is that it depends, of course. So (laughs) (laughs) because it depends on what the goal is. A typical software engineering team cannot contribute that much to OKRs most of the times. And again, it depends. If you have like a full cross-functional team where you have all the expertise in-house, where they are really uh, autonomous team and they can make like um, their own product decisions. So they're almost like a product team. Then... um, it's very useful for them to start with OKRs. And typical goals that those teams could have is something like um, customer facing. So we want to increase uh, customer churn rate. Those kind of things can be goals if they're working in in a SaaS company, for example. Um, Or we want to improve the customer experience. Those are typical goals that that those teams have. But they can also be internally, internally. So you could also have like, well, we want to improve the quality of our software, and that can also be typical goals. And again, it's very difficult to think about what kind of outcomes do we want to have here. For a software team, what is uh, really interesting is like, if we want to increase the quality of our software, what are we going to measure? eh? So things like the number of escape defects in production could be a nice measurement. Maybe the lead time of your work items. Eh? Maybe you're working in a um, in an uh, in an agile way. Maybe you're working with uh, with user stories. Maybe you want to measure the lead time of those user stories and take an average of the, of that, and you want to increase that. Another thing could be we want to increase the deployment frequency. 
And so those are kind of typical measures that software teams use. But again, it really depends on what this team wants to achieve. Yeah, each time you were uh, giving an example, I was thinking, okay, why do you want to do that? And that's exactly the, the question to, to look at what is our, our real objective? Why do we want to do that? And then we can see that we can find a lot of different kind of measurements that will tell us if we are going in the right direction or not. Yeah. The, the commonality with all those measurements are we can see that there's an impact for someone. It could be external for a customer or it could be internal for the developers themselves or for other people in the organization. Yeah. Yeah, it really it really starts out with the objective. Like what is what is it what is it what you want to achieve? What is the result that you want to achieve? And yeah, giving like measurements for a software team, like you like you uh, observed, is like I can give a, a, a hundred hundreds of examples, but it doesn't uh, mean anything to to other organizations. Uh, but it can be inspiration. It can be an, an, a source of inspiration for other teams. Like, oh, this is how we should measure it. And but again, it's, it's, it all starts with the objective. What do you want to achieve? Excellent. Thank you, Bart. I have a, a weird question for you. What is the question I did not ask that I should already ask? Ah, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good one. I think we touched on a, on a lot of topics. I think uh, what are common pitfalls is a typical question that I got with implementing OKRs. I think we we briefly touched upon a couple of them. So um, regular check-ins is a common pitfall that companies don't do. Uh, so check-ins is really important. The quality of, of your OKRs is important. Uh, so having a very good uh, objective and good key results that really helps. This is a common mistake that I see a lot of companies are making. They don't know how to describe what they want to achieve. And then with the good measurements, that they're setting too many OKRs. And so I see a lot of companies starting out with OKRs, setting way too many OKRs at a company level, for example. They're starting out with like five, seven, five, six, seven OKRs at company level. That means that if you have like five objectives at company level and you have each of them have like maximum five key results, then you have like 25 almost targets that you need to achieve. OKRs is all about focus, extreme focus almost. So if you're starting out with OKRs, try to start simple, as simple as possible, especially at company level. I know very big, large organizations that only have like one or two objectives at company level. And this is really, really hard for most companies because that means that they need to decide what not to do. If you compare this, for example, to a balanced scorecard or to other uh, goal-setting methods, they try to measure everything, also the business as usual. But OKRs are not about measuring business as usual or tracking business as usual. It's about what to do differently. Again, it comes back to this stretching. What should you do differently that you have never done before? And this is where you need to use OKRs for. And I think um, a lot of companies that are starting out with OKRs make mistakes not to implement it like this. Okay, so it's not about business as usual. It's about impact and changing something in the organization to reach that impact. So regular check-in is really critical. The quality of the description of what you want to achieve is really important. So you need to invest some time in understanding what you want to achieve and clarify that to find the right measurement. And you need to focus on one or two things at the company level, which means you need to make choices. which is hard, but this is this is an interesting part. If you want to achieve something, you probably don't 
we will you will not be able to chase one thousand things at the same time. So it's a, it's a, another really good one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And this is where most executives struggle because they say like, well, everything is important, and OKRs are really pushing yourself about and think about like we can only go for one thing at a time. This quarter, the coming OKR cycle, we can only focus on one thing that is the most important. And that, that will provide clarity throughout the organization. That will give you the alignment that everybody is, is, is asking for. Again, if you have like too many OKRs, then people will find a way to put their business as usual work under one of those uh, umbrellas that you have created. Okay. And you will miss the goal. Okay. That, this is... And you missed the goal. Yeah. <laughs> you will miss the goal. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. I, I really appreciate... Uh that overview of OKRs that uh, you gave, Bart. That was, uh, that was great to have you here. Last thing you want to share? I think that's it. And if uh, people want to know more about, um, about OKRs, they can go to my website. It's uh, movingtheneedle.com. There's a free OKR email course. So if people want to know more about OKRs, they can subscribe for free. There will be 13 lessons about OKRs, the basics, and they get a free lesson every uh, two days in their email box. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Bart. That was great having you. Thank you very much. And thanks for having me. This was an episode of Le Podcast. Le Podcast equips you to make a positive change in your organization. For more, connect to alexis.monville.com. 